She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Basically, just not being aware that triggers exist yeah, to yeah, some degree. Yeah. Just being completely oblivious of it. Yeah. I don't have much to say to those people except for, uh, you know, good luck. Yeah, well, <laughs> hold on. I feel like, okay. I, I... So you just observe. It's like that voice goes in your head, that nasty thing you want to say to your mom. You, you observe it. And she you... deserved it. <laughs> if you like reality shows or like oh, kind yeah. of like sitcom, like dramas or whatever, reality shows particularly, yeah. that's just people being triggered. All on, the time. On, like being recorded, being triggered. In fact, the producers are trying to trigger them. Yes. Because that's what makes it entertaining. Well, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Hello, welcome. We have a wonderful episode for you today. <laughs> Aren't they Truly all? Truly exciting. Aren't they all, Alistair? Aren't they all? <laughs> <laughs> today, we're talking about triggers. We're talking about what triggers us and what being triggered means. And we're mostly talking about working with triggers and what happens in your life, in your relationships, in yourself, in your self-awareness, what actually happens when you use triggers as a thing to work with rather than something to combat. Well said, I can't wait to find out. Yeah. (laughs) And also stick around until the end because we have a special little treat for you uh, at the end of this episode. Let's, Let's get, get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Alistair, and hello, everyone. Hello, you, listener, somewhere in your car, your gym, your kitchen, wherever you are. Hey there, and I just want to say you're having a great hair day today. <laughs> happens once in a while. It's nice to see. It's nice when it happens. <laughs> I'm having a great hair day, actually, today. (laughs) I'll take that for me, too. All right. Well, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about triggers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. That's a triggering topic. All right. Let's just just dive in. Like, what what is a trigger? All right. Well, we were having this conversation yesterday with a couple people. And, you know, I, I think the best thing is still... To just describe it, the first definition online I saw was mm-hmm. the trigger of a gun. Mm-hmm. And I think this actually works really well. This is probably why it's called a trigger. Yeah. But it's because the trigger unconsciously causes the gun to go off, mm. right? And mm. the gun's destructive. It's like, yeah. you know, it's a, it, it can be damaging, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's basically what a trigger is. It's, it's something causes an unconscious reaction in us, which can be deep-rooted it feels uncontrollable. There's an aspect of it being unconscious. We're not really aware of it. And it can be harmful. It can be destructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, the way I would define it is like something that happens in the external world that causes an unconscious and potentially damaging reaction in myself. Yeah. And I think this is a good, well, I think we'll get into that later, but I hate when people blame each other for oh you've triggered me um, no i i didn't i did something that triggered you but that's the that's a very different way to say it so i think we're i think we're going to get into that right now but i noticed that there's like three kind of different ways to deal with triggers i think like there's this first approach that is actually what i just mentioned maybe it, which is like unaware or, or it, it's basically just not being aware that triggers exist yeah, to yeah. some degree yeah. just being completely oblivious of it yeah I don't have much to say to those people except for, uh, you know, 
Good luck. Yeah, well, hold on. I feel like, okay, I, I think yes, it can apply to a group of people. But as I was realizing, there's three different ways to deal with triggers. And we all have those three different ways to deal with triggers, probably. Although I, I agree that if you're, that some people are completely unaware, period. Yeah. But they usually don't listen to, to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you're here, hi, listen in, you yeah. might listen. So level something. one is you're absolutely unaware of the trigger at all. And yeah. you can't do anything about it at this level. Yeah. So yeah. there's not much to say about it, but you're right. We all have these areas where yes. we're just not, or we can be in these modes yes, where, where exactly. we're not, we're not conscious of it at all. Yeah. And then the second mode, the second way to deal with the trigger is, you know, you have things that trigger you, you know, that, you know, some of them and you are intent on controlling them and not having that anymore. Like, Let's describe a little bit what it feels like yes. to be triggered because that might help yes. uh, bring it down. These are the areas where you're really sensitive. Yeah. Imagine like a sore spot on your body, right? Mm-hmm. And someone pokes it uh. and then you... You know, you, you have that quick reaction or someone flicks you and you react yes, or something, yeah, right? Yeah. Or the kind of classic doctor hits you on the knee and something yes, goes up, right? Yes. These are areas that are sensitive. There are areas where we react instead of respond. Mm-hmm. There are areas where we often don't think about what we said. So when we say hurtful things and later we're like, God, what was I thinking? You weren't thinking. Yeah. You were triggered. Yeah. There are areas where we can be kind of emotional, where we have over-exaggerated reactions and we act kind of unconsciously Mm. and we tend to act off scripts. This should help people kind of bring it down to earth. Like That's what it feels like when when we get triggered. And Mm -hmm. usually we see this better after and we're pretty good at seeing it in other people, less so of seeing it in ourselves because again this is usually an unconscious reaction so it's hard yeah and there's this tendency sometimes when you just realize this that, oh i get triggered about this or that or 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 you have a trigger reaction and then later you're like oh god that was awful why did i do that i should have never done that i was so bad i'm such a bad person you kind of come back to your senses later yeah yeah and then there's this and then you have a sense of perspective or like that was a really over exaggerated response to a a, a silly a silly thing right yes and this like second mode of dealing with triggers there is this sense that you have to shame yourself that it is shameful and that it is unacceptable to have triggers. Yeah, it's basically taking an adversarial approach to triggers and just trying to shut them, like push them down, right? Yeah. And we're we're embarrassed, we're ashamed, we try to hide them. Yeah. And we're basically just, yeah, we're trying to fight, we're, we're fighting the triggers a little bit. And we're trying to pretend like we don't have them, but we know we have them and there are these sensitive spots. Yeah. And try to keep them in the dark. Yeah, yeah. And so what is the, the, the third mode of approaching triggers then? Well, the third mode is working with triggers. Mm. And this is a different stance toward triggers. It requires becoming aware of your triggers. And there's different methods to do that. We'll talk about a couple at the end of this show. So that's kind of a given, is working with triggers requires becoming aware of them. And that's a lot of the work, mm-hmm. actually. Basically, it's bringing curiosity to our triggers and realizing that these have something to teach us. Mm. And that if we learn more about them instead of trying to avoid them like the plague, we can actually live more effective lives. We can have better relationships and we can develop compassion for other people. And these are actually the three areas that we want to talk about. Yeah. I think just hearing you say like working with triggers, it is uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable when you are aware of your triggers and you realize that instead of fighting them, you're going to be potentially like observing them with curiosity. It feels uncomfortable. It feels like, oh, I, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, why would I do that? And I think what we want to talk about today is what happens when you do do that and what benefits come up in your life. One really helpful practice if you want to work with triggers, is having some sort of mindfulness practice, some sort of meta or perhaps a meditation mm. practice. Because what we have to do is develop some sort of awareness so that we can observe some of the things that are going on without acting on them, mm-hmm. right? Without reacting. Yeah. So you just observe. It's like that voice goes in your head, that nasty thing you want to say to your mom. You you observe it. She you, deserved it. Okay? <laughs> you don't identify with it, 
as much. Like you're able, you're not under its spell mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. There's freedom in just being able to see it, right? Yes. Because that means there's something seeing it. That means it's not possessing you 100%, yes. right? And these voices can be strong. It might not be a voice. It might be a feeling. It might be a lot of a thought, whatever. Because then you can imagine that as like creating a space in between the stimulus and your response. Yes. And this is the difference, right? It's the difference between reacting, unconscious, immediate, not very considerate, not thoughtful, and usually not very skillful, mm -hmm. and responding, yeah. which is kind of being aware of it. There's usually a pause here, right? And then responding as appropriate. But there's, there's a sense of more freedom in that. And it's not always possible to do, but it is one of the practices for working with our triggers. And I think one of the big dangers of not being aware of your triggers and refusing to become aware or, or in some ways just pretending like they're not here is that you let them control your life and then or you shove them down so deep that you actually never deal with them. And they turn into disease in the body and, and like mental health, mental health issues. And they kind of get stuffed down and then they fester. And uh, if you know anything about us, you know that we like to confront our shit because it's not worth having something fester under your skin for a decade before you actually face it. Or wreak havoc in your relationships, mm. you know, or mm. kind of have like have this unconscious presence that keeps screwing things up for you yeah. in, in important moments. That's not a lot of fun either. And to that first point you were saying, there's a Shakespeare quote that I really like, which is the most confining prisons are the ones we don't know we're in. Mm. And I think that's what happens if we do number one here, where we just, if we're not aware of our triggers at all, is that, They shape our lives in all sorts of ways, and we're reacting. We're running off scripts that we don't even realize. Yeah. And so this process is kind of a never-ending process because, you know, unless we're uh, sitting under the Bodhi tree and becoming enlightened, we're probably never, like, there's always going to be unconscious elements that, that we're trying to bring into consciousness. Yeah. These kind of triggers. But it's a, kind of a dialogue with these. It's a discovery process, you could say. And I'd like to ask you here, because I think a lot of people who become aware of their triggers think that by becoming aware of it, you can get free of them and, and they can disappear altogether. And I'm just wondering if you could talk to being free from triggers. What does that mean for you? Well, this goes back to the being able to respond. Mm -hmm. I think it's being, to me, being free from triggers is being able to see them and not react to them, but, but be, be able to just observe them. And I think this is important to state that you can't get rid of your triggers, that they're part of your being, that that just is part of the package of being alive. There is no as way to get As far as I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> and I, another way to think about this that might be helpful is like when, when we're able to observe our triggers, we're working at a higher level of consciousness, right? We're yeah. conscious of the triggers as part of our experience, yes. but not the whole experience. Mm. When we react to a trigger we're in a much more narrow level of consciousness. We've stepped down a couple levels, right? Yeah. We're much more unconscious. We're acting in less skillful ways. Yeah, totally. And so that leads us to this, the first point of like, what happens when you actually start working with your triggers? The first one is individual. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, you start taking responsibility for your life. Yes. Right? Responsibility, responding. Uh, it's, You, do you start to have a higher level of self-mastery? And there's different ways that I, I see this. Is one, if, you're, if you start becoming aware of what triggers you, right? This often is very related to stress and what stresses us out, mm -hmm. right? And there's triggers. There's these stress points. And then there's being triggered, right? Which is when we're in like a state of, of unconsciousness, right? Mm -hmm. So we can have a trigger that might be a second or two. And all these things might add stress, right? Like... You might trigger me for a second, but then I can kind of recover. Mm -hmm. But enough of that happens, or if we're particularly tender that day, we get triggered. And then we're in a state of where we're kind of acting in a much more unconscious, unskillful way. Mm. And depending on the case, this can be a couple seconds, as we said. It can be minutes, it can be hours, it can be days. We can live for weeks, months, even years, more or less, in a triggered state or And, and and so it's something to keep in mind. And I definitely know that there are times in my life where I was living in a triggered state. Uh, we sometimes call this being in the grip mm. for quite a long time. Yeah. 
And so it can be surprising to realize like, you know, because we act very differently, right? This is, these are the states where we're like, where we act beside ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, like where we're not quite the same person. And we see it in other people all the time, right? Like we know, and like, you're not acting like yourself. Yeah. I'd say that in my past, I've probably been in triggered states for most of my, like most of my young adult life to the point that when I got out of them, I wasn't sure who was myself. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I wasn't able to even realize that I wasn't being myself because I had never had an opportunity before the triggered states, like, you know, before 17, 18 to get to know who I am when I'm not triggered. I was just in a constant state of triggered. So, And and if you, if you're experiencing that, you're experiencing a lot of stress. So that's pretty heavy toll on your body in a lot of different ways. Right. And this is one of the reasons like where, as you're talking about, if we try to just push the triggers down and like carry on, right, that is going to wreak havoc on your body because you that's a really heavy toll for your body to to take on. That's a lot of stress. I've been spending a lot of time recently kind of thinking about adrenaline and the adrenals and stress and how that impacts our bodies. And it's it's insane and fascinating. And I'll just insert here that like 40% of our sex hormones as men and women come from our adrenals. And most of us in today's society are so stressed out that we live in a state of adrenal fatigue. And so we, or at least a lot of us. And so you can't produce the right hormones to function at your best. And I think it's just one of the many ways where you, like stress is extremely impactful and it's not something to, um, you know, take for as if it's like, oh, okay, whatever. And if we don't work with our triggers, we might just we might like kind of self-medicate in other ways to deal Mm. with it. Right. And Mm. this might become like long standing patterns. And for me, for example, like I think a lot of times when I was dealing with a lot of stress, that's when I was drinking, you know, Mm. like in social situations or maybe like go to the bar or something. And like, I didn't a lot of times feel comfortable there. So maybe I I would drink to like kind of bring down my response. And of course we know, we know what kind of impact that has. Yeah. And then if you get really fatigued, then you need like a shot of caffeine to mm-hmm. kind of get back up. So and just a little bit of sugar, and just <laughs> get that kick back up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so around self-mastery, I think the goal here is not to completely always try to avoid our triggers. We can't do that. Mm-hmm. But we can decide what is worth working through, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can we can manage our days in different ways and just by becoming aware of what triggers us and there are levels to this right like it may be at one level that like oh, okay i'm feeling triggered by having to spend this much on a meal right mm-hmm. like uh, but but at another level what's ha- there's probably something underneath that which is like there's you're you're feeling triggered because you're in a scenario where there's you're feeling a scarcity of resources mm-hmm. or yes. something like this so there's like kind of levels to the triggers. There's the maybe the concrete thing that's actually triggering you, but there's usually at least one, two, maybe even more themes yes. or patterns underneath that, that that can be unpacked and you can understand. And these tend to relate to kind of chronic tensions or or areas of conflict in our in our personalities that that show up in a lot of different ways, right? And so mm-hmm. if you can identify those you start to have a lot more skill in being able to see what situations might stress you out and why. And when you do that, you can plan for them. You can, you can avoid them if, mm-hmm. if possible, right? Like sometimes it's just about avoiding them. For a long time in my life, I didn't realize that like a trigger for me was extremely stimulating environments. Yeah. And I didn't really even realize like what that meant. It's not, it's, it could be noisy. It could be lights, it's just a lot of information, usually. Mm-hmm. These are stimulating environments. And not realizing that, I thought, like, oh, well, other people can handle it. Why can't I? Mm-hmm. Right? But as I started to realize, okay, well, this, this for me is just something that triggers me after a while. That's uh, really helpful because then I can either limit my time in that environment or I can rest appropriately before I know I'm going to enter that environment. Maybe if it's like a cocktail party or something, which I know can also, you know, after a certain amount of time be overstimulating for me. I'll plan to leave early Mm. uh, or maybe I'll show up late. If you understand that this is what you need, there's less shame involved, right? This is like, it's what you need to do. And you can own that 
And you know why you're doing that, because there's a bigger story here. There's a bigger picture, which is like, hey, I'd like to go to that party, but you know, I can only go for this long. And so that's, it's either that or I don't go. Right. And when I think that's a very different narrative than like, oh man, I can never like, I can never, I can't stay or I should stay or you force yourself to stay and then it turns out bad, right? Yeah, I think it it helps like recognizing these things makes you feel a little bit more in your power instead of like this, uh, the effect of life kind of thing. And I think this is also what comes with taking responsibility for yourself and your own triggers is there is this, there's this sense that at least you're, in control a bit more or that it depends on you that it's like you stop being at the effect of the outside world when for instance one of the things for me I'm also very sensitive to stimulus and demands by other people which in today's day and age if you have a phone with apps on it it's like everyone can can contact you through so many apps right like I always have a notification red thing on my on one app at least many times throughout the day and I'm just my brother told me recently like oh yeah well you know it's just our our generation we just we're so stimulated and we're so like people ask so much of us I'm like I don't know what you're talking about I don't have my notifications on my phone never rings all day and if I don't want to know in some apps I don't even have the red badge on it because I choose that once a day or once every other day I'm going to go in that app and check the messages I have it's up to us to organize our lives and support ourselves in the best of our abilities and we can do this it's we can do this once we start to understand the areas that trigger us right yes. the areas that because when we get triggered, that's that's not a very efficient use of energy, right? Yeah. And so it's like you can either kind of just like kind of go through life with a blindfold and like every so often something like pricks you and, you, mm-hmm. you know, or you can kind of take the blindfold off and see where those things are and, and plan for them. And sometimes there's things we want to do that are going to be triggering, right? There are things that are that are difficult and we can prioritize. So we can prioritize for the things that are truly worth it, right? That are truly important that we want to work through. And then the other things we can like kind of remove. Like if I really want to go to that cocktail party, maybe I don't have that lunch with Mm -hmm. with a couple people, right? Like maybe I save my energy for that party because I that is more important. But if I'm not aware of it, maybe I go to the lunch and then I'm like, God, I have to go to this party too. And, And then after, you know, like, and here's the other thing is that when we get triggered, when we get into these kind of grip experiences, when we get in the grip, and you know how this can feel. It can last, sometimes it lasts a very long time. There can be a lot of downside, not just energetically, like we can lose a lot of time and, and energy. But if we react and react in stupid ways and when we're triggered, right? Like if you're with your boss or with, with a friend or, mm. or partner, you can create a lot of damage, right? This goes back to the gun image, right? And so by more skillfully navigating these areas, we can avoid triggered reactions and have to do, we can avoid a lot of cleanup. Mm. And so in this way, we can manage our energy a lot more efficiently. The next thing that benefits from us working with our triggers, and it's got to be one of my favorite ones, is like you get better relationships. You become a more skilled communicator and you're not constantly at the effect of your own internal unconscious reactions in the context where they can create so much damage, as you just said. I think something for me is also has been not projecting my own things onto you in the context of our relationship, especially, or onto my mother or onto, you know, anyone that I have a close relationship with. Because it's so easy, as I said in the beginning, to have someone do something, even maybe a stranger, like on social media, you see that all the time. It's like strangers do something and you go up on their page and you comment, you triggered me. You have no idea what that did. Fuck, what, what are you doing? I don't understand. It's like, this is your problem. That's your trigger. That's your trigger. So that's something that I feel very passionate about, as you can hear, because it's about time that we stop blaming and stop putting other people in the position of power and being at the effect of of everyone else. And this continues the whole taking responsibility for your life, right? And we all know what it's like to be with someone who blames you 
for them getting triggered, Mm -hmm. right? And you have to walk on eggshells in those relationships. And it feels really oppressive, right? It's... And, and you you can't, like, you just don't want to be around those people. Yes. And I think what we have to do is realize these are our things, mm-hmm. right? And, like, and so there's first trying to avoid reacting. Mm-hmm. And, like, when, when I notice you're triggering me, I can get curious about that and say, okay, what's going on here? What's the core issue I'm dealing with that's coming up here? If, mm-hmm. we're, if we're able to do that. Because the thing is that these triggers, like, we're talking about triggers here that cause these unconscious reactions. But this stuff is all related to blind spots. Mm. This is all related to areas that where we are fairly unconscious, right? Where we're sensitive and, and where we have maybe wounds mm-hmm. or, or we're a little weaker, right? Like, you know, you can think of like the, you can, <laughs> you can kind of think of like the overcompensating jock or mm. something, right? Like, that, that's overcompensating maybe because his his, his uh, dad degrades him at home or something like this, right? There's usually those kind of, there can be those kind of things behind mm-hmm. behind here. And what our triggers allow, they're, they're kind of signposts. They kind of say, hey, there's something here, mm-hmm. right? Like this is an area where there's some healing or where some attention needs to be brought, right? Yeah. And if we start to look at our triggers that way, that's really helpful because a lot of times these unconscious areas, like you said, we end up projecting outward. We're very sensitive, right? Yeah. So like not only might we react in harmful, unconscious ways, but we may actually distort our experience of reality and see that other people are like their triggers may and, and the unconscious spots underneath them are going to shape things. Yeah. And we're going to project that onto other people. So if I'm getting triggered uh, about about i don't know if we go back to like kind of spending too much at a restaurant yeah and i go with you maybe i project it onto you and see like oh she's always wanting to spend so much mm. like you know when yeah. really there's a sensitivity i have around spending money at the restaurant and so we can kind of bring this stuff back and see things more for how they really are and this is tough i mean this often takes communication with other people to because again these are areas where we're fairly unconscious so it's hard to see where we're kind of not seeing things right without someone else's help and it can take over like crazy right like if you're not even aware that this is a something that might happen to you like this idea of projecting you can really live in your own little bubble and not actually have a relationship with the person you're with an example of that is i know that sometimes if i'm having a long day I'm pretty tired and I'm seeing that I have more work to do and that I'm going to get to making dinner pretty late. And you're like, you're done with work and you look like, you know, we have this system where you cut the vegetables and then I cook the meal because I can't, I'm, I'm a control freak in the kitchen. And so it's like, you asked me innocently just to plan your time. You asked me, when do you think we'll get to dinner? And If I'm already like stressed, I can easily not hear what you just said and hear, hey, by the way, I'm starving and this it's getting late. And uh, when are we going to get fucking dinner? You know, like that's that's something that can actually happen in my head. And I have to force myself sometimes to look at the fact that you just asked a simple question to organize your time. It was not a judgment. It was, a, but because I am judging myself for, oh my God, I'm working so late. I'm, I can't get my shit together. I'm, we're going to eat so late and blah, blah, blah. I projected onto you. But by reclaiming that and re- recognizing I'm the one that's judging, not him, I can actually have a relationship with you, not this kind of like smoke screen or screen that I put onto you. And I think we do that so much. Yeah. And when we're in triggered states, we tend to be projecting quite a bit, right? Mm. Like when we are triggered and when we're living out of that place, we're not seeing things as they are. So like these things are kind of a package deal a lot of times. Like the areas where we're getting triggered are probably also areas where we are projecting. That happens quite often. And yeah, it prevents us from being able to authentically see and connect with the other person. And it gets us into these, like, I think we've all been there, those kind of reactions that just, you trigger me, I react, 
it triggers you. Mm. And then we just like, it's kind of like two birds colliding in the sky <laughs> and then and then they're stuck and they're just spiraling down to the ground, you know? And we all Silly know- birds. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this script. And I think we all know those conversations that we've had a hundred times yeah. with somebody, right? And you can't kind of get out of them, yeah. right? And it's like, it, that's usually because like we're triggering each other. And I think also a good a good question to ask yourself is like, is this a script that I have just with my partner or that I also have with my parents, with my brothers, with my yeah. with my best friend, with my colleagues? It's reclaiming your freedom, yeah. right? Because if you if if we don't look at these things, we're just we may not realize it, but we're not really in control of our reactions. Mm -hmm. And these are usually not skillful. Yeah. I think the third thing this really helps us with is you know, one one other thing before we get to the third thing is like again, downside, right? Like we're talking about it here, but like How many fights can be avoided if we were just to pause, observe the trigger, and work with that internally? Mm -hmm. Or if we develop the skill to be able to do that, yeah. right? Instead of just vomit the first thing that comes out. Yeah. And I think something I want to point out here is like working internally with it doesn't mean shutting down and then brooding and doing it on your own. It can be a team job too like you whenever i notice something's happening i can voice it and you can be a mirror or some just holding space and reflecting some of what i'm doing because you also need to know what's going on if i shut down all of a sudden without warning you might get triggered because i become then a really good silent screen for you to project everything onto yeah know? and it shuts down the conversation and if we're able to talk about these things right and get curious about it mm -hmm. and notice like okay i'm shutting down or okay i'm i'm starting to flush and i'm starting to have like a I, i can feel it like my face getting hot or i'm like tightening up right yeah. or i'm getting an emotional reaction like start if you can start noticing these things happening in the body mm -hmm. right that can be a sign like all right something's not going right here and and we can kind of explore it and we can share it right we yeah. can talk about it. it's like okay hey i you said something i don't exactly know what the problem is here but i'm feeling it's i'm feeling triggered And then you can involve the other person in the conversation and unpack it. And you can usually get to deeper levels and like kind of you can get to places that that could really benefit that relationship, whether it's a business partnership, mm -hmm. whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's a family relationship. Oftentimes, those can be the doorways through which we have real exchanges and mm. real conversations and we're able to be vulnerable with each other and connect so these can be like really powerful places to stop and get the other person involved and try to try to explore what's going on and yeah. we often you know we may not always be aware someone else is triggered but we pick up on it unconsciously yes. right and like we start acting differently about it mm -hmm. because everything kind of starts to like shut down yeah. or like tighten constrict. up constrict yeah. and when we say hey look Something's going on for me right now. That's the opposite, right? That's like opening up. Uh, and, and that gives a whole different set of, of, of possibilities for where the, where the conversation might go and, mm. and what might happen in the relationship. I think this leads us well into the third one. Yeah, yeah, I think it which does. Which is cultivating compassion. And cultivating compassion for ourselves and also for others. As we start to work with our triggers and as we start to get more fluent in the ways they show up, we're able to start identifying them more. Sometimes we can identify it when it's happening to us. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be those cases like when you really get triggered, it's automatic. You, yeah. you can't, you're not going to see it. That's yeah. what it means to get triggered, yeah. right? So, so that can always be difficult. But if you're in a loving relationship or if you're in relationships that understand these mechanics and these, these kind of processes, the other person may understand what's mm -hmm. happening. And then when that happens, you can kind of discount what's going on a little bit. Like, okay, you're getting triggered. And oftentimes I think what we do is we see someone gets triggered and we say, why are you making such a big deal about this? Mm -hmm. Right. And what is a worse message for someone who is like already overreacting to something than yeah you are making too big a deal about this. This is not like that important, right? It's Because like, they've already, they're already like, they've, they've already blown it out of proportion. Plus it's like, what is worse than having a sense of reality and someone's coming and saying, hey, your reality is not real or, you know, it, it just doesn't help. Because the fact is it is for them, yeah. right? In that moment. Yeah. And so, and 
the other thing we might do is make light of it, right? Mm-hmm. And joke about something. And this is also not helpful. Uh, this is awful. But, there, but, but a lot of times we just don't realize they're not seeing the same picture. We just assume we're both looking at the same thing and we don't realize that like we've gone into a sensitive spot or a blind spot. Mm-hmm. And like we said before, when that happens, when we when when someone goes into one of those places, they start to it, it distorts their perception of reality in way in a, in a lot of ways. It doesn't look the same. So we can't just assume they're seeing the same thing. Yeah. And this goes back to managing our energy because if we do, if we assume we're looking at the same thing and, and we're really not, we're going to get into stupid ass fights and conflicts that are not resolvable because someone is in a triggered state. Yes. Right? Like and then it's going to it often can get personal, right? Yes. Like and that's when things get get really destructive, right? You can relationships can, end over these kind of things. Yes. And they don't even have to happen. There's a really good example actually related to the podcast not that long ago where we were working on a topic for because we have production meetings before each podcast to kind of flesh out the ideas for a podcast. And I can't remember what the topic was, but I brought it up. And as we're talking on it, you were getting shorter with me. You were getting like tenser, tighter, Mm -hmm. like it was becoming more black and white. Yes and no. All classic signs of, of getting into a state of being triggered. Right. And and you actually were able to recognize what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so you were able to say, hey, look, I don't know what it is about this topic, but I'm feeling really triggered about it. And I was able to appreciate that and be like, okay, this doesn't trigger me. I'm feeling fine. I'm in control, right? But it triggers you. And I know how it feels when I get triggered, mm-hmm. right? That's the compassion we're talking about is we understand how it feels around the things we get triggered about. Because it is a universal experience to some extent. Like the reaction when we are triggered, the triggers will be different. But the the experience is usually the same. As you said, it's like your temperature changes, your throat might close up, you might be tensing up a little bit, you might be feeling like bursts of anger starting to rise. Other people might be feeling against you, right? Like you start scapegoating and looking outward for, for the problem, right? So... Yeah, there's. Uh, if we understand these things, we can understand when someone's experiencing that. And it's much easier to understand that someone else is feeling triggered than it can be to understand that they're feeling triggered about this thing. Yes. Right? Like Because like you said, we all have our own personal things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in this case, you were able to communicate to me that you were feeling triggered. I was able to recognize what that meant. We were able, we decided to back off on the conversation. We had had planned an hour to talk about this. And we realized you had gone far enough down that state that like you weren't going to get back right away. And what we could have done if we did not really appreciate the situation. Well, the first thing is you would never have told me. Yeah. And you would have just reacted. And and it it could have turned into a fight. But the second thing that could have happened was that if you did tell me, to some degree, and I didn't appreciate what was going on, I would try to steam on and be like, it's not a big deal. Let's just get this done, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And then we could have gone the same place. Yeah. And we were able to, this time, not every time, but we were able this time to avoid either of those situations from happening. And we said, all right, we had an hour planned. I think we're 15 minutes in. We stopped. And we said, you know what? Maybe the best thing you can do right now is go take some rest and I'll go work on something else. Because we recognize that we weren't going to get any further on mm-hmm. this. It blocks you from making, it's, oftentimes it blocks you from, from making real progress on something. It's a because there's something underneath that you have, to, you have to kind of work on. And the trigger state is the opposite of a curious, creative, open state. Yes. So you can't make progress on anything if you're in that state. I think this is something a lot of people get you know, unaware of is if you're feeling that way, there is no need to push forward because the solution you're going to create by pushing forward, if you do come to a a solution, it's going to be shit. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to be really ineffective. Yes. So we backed off from this. We went our separate ways. I think you took a little bit of a break. And this is another thing that that goes back to to Mm self-mastery. It's like, as we understand our personal triggers and as we understand what it feels like to be triggered and what happens and how we behave and all these things that go with it, we also start to understand, and this is hard because when we're triggered, it's usually not what we want, but we can start to understand how we get back to equilibrium. And it turns out that this also, while there are a lot of like kind of common patterns to how we return like good night's sleep is probably 
one of them for everybody, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But but there are also personalized ways mm-hmm. that we get back, right? Some people might do one thing or some people might need another thing. Maybe someone needs to go out and uh, like go out, hang out with a friend for a little while, blow off some steam, and another person needs to go kind of kind of rest by themselves or whatever. There's mm-hmm. different approaches. And as you understand your triggers and your personality, you can more either you can be much more intentional about returning the equilibrium and yes. you can get there faster once you've recognized the hard part is realizing that you're triggered mm-hmm. right but once you realize that you can kind of there's prescriptions that you can you can give yourself that you know will help even though you probably don't want to do them in the moment and i think as you do that more and more and more it becomes a habit to the point where it becomes you don't even have to think Oh, okay, so I recognize I'm in a triggered state. So now I need to do this thing and then that thing to return to equilibrium. Most of the time for me, it's way more unconscious than that. It's like I've recognized that. It becomes I'm a, a habit. Tri- yeah, it becomes a habit of, okay, I've gone through a, th- a triggered state. My body knows what I need to do to go back to a yeah. higher yeah. state of being. So to wrap up this podcast example, we actually ended up deciding to come back to it. I think we came back to it later that night. Mm-hmm. Over dinner, yeah, and you you had completely recovered. You were kind of back in your open, creative state. Mm-hmm. We were able to talk about it. We we achieved the goal we needed to achieve in that hour time. Mm-hmm. In 15 minutes later, yeah. when you were in a more open place for it, yeah. so a lot of times these things, if we can get back to kind of center, they can be. And and the solution we came to was much better than oh, anything yeah. we would have come to at the time, even 100%. if we had spent an hour, mm-hmm. right? Like, so it took less time, less energy, and we came to a better solution, more creative solution. And I think that is really what's possible here. That's what's mm-hmm. on the menu if mm-hmm. we start working with our triggers. It's like in our personal lives, in our personal projects, in our work and stuff, we can create better outcomes with less energy and effort mm. and less striving and less fighting and, and all that. And in our relationships, we can create more rewarding relationships in the same way. And we can go deeper with them. And I think this is the last point that we kind of wanted to talk about, which is that there's a lot to learn from our triggers. Yes. And in these examples, not always, it's not, it's not always going to be the case, but if we bring curiosity to them and say, okay, there's, This is a signpost. Some of them we know quite well. Some of them we don't. Like if we kind of ask the question, what's underneath this? Like what's happening here? It can take us to deeper levels of of kind of self-discovery. It can help us resolve underlying patterns that are hard to detect in relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Things that are happening a lot. Like you you know those kind of dynamics that happen that you don't know them. That you're a victim to and you don't know, like, or you feel kind of a victim to and you don't know how you get into it. Well, triggers, when you start paying attention to those, those are doorways into those things. Mm. And those are approaches, those are places that can give you clues to what those things are. And if you investigate them and if you're able to, either on your own or if you're able to talk about them with other people, and a lot of times that's really helpful because they can seem in different. You know, a lot of times they can become your ally, right? Mm-hmm. If you have two people that are you are both kind of, I was going to say trigger happy, but that's <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> if they're both kind of understand the, the, this, this attitude, yeah. this working with triggers, then they can say, they can help you because you're looking at through a distorted lens when you're triggered, but someone else can look at it through what's probably a more trustworthy lens, mm-hmm. or at least a second perspective, mm-hmm. right? Like saying, hey, you're saying this, but I'm not seeing it like that right? Like, to me, it looks like this. And that can be really helpful. And so we can kind of, in that way, we can get some kind of perspective on these like black holes, right? That like suck up all the light. Yes. And, And so all these things help us deepen our understanding of ourselves, deepen our relationships, help us connect more, and they can help us really improve them and and kind of move forward and be more effective in our lives more creative in our lives have more energy all these things all the things that like the that that last supplement you bought promise you know <laughs> maybe if you just if we decided collectively here yeah. 
let's look at our own shit instead. Like we'd have so much more energy. We would be doing a lot better in a lot of ways. And there would be so much less like hurt and, and reactions going on all the time, all the time. If you like reality shows or like kind of like sitcom, like dramas or whatever, reality shows particularly. Yeah. That's just people being triggered. Like being recorded, being triggered. In fact, the producers are trying to trigger them. Yes. Because that's what makes it entertaining. We all find it really entertaining and you can laugh because you're like, oh, that's ridiculous. But you're like, you're not that like that person's triggered. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it's kind of of a shitty culture to like get your entertainment out of those things. It is. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not passing judgment on how people spend their time or Uh, people get entertained by. But I'm just, if we could bring some curiosity to to this, it's a place for growth. And one major, 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 major thing that we have done, one tool that we have used to get to work with our triggers, mindfulness and meditation helps with self-awareness. But typology, typology, personality types and understanding the dynamics of each each personality is huge. To understand triggers, understanding yourself and creating a a safe space in a relationship to explore with a neutral language. Yeah, there's a lot of patterns in our personalities and they've been mapped out. And these are ones that are kind of collective. Mm -hmm. And by exploring them, it's kind of a guide map to and it goes much deeper than just like, you know, it can it can help us know where to look for our triggers if we're we're unaware of where they are. And it can help us discover quite a few others, but it goes levels deeper and it shows you the patterns and the dynamics and the relationships that are causing those triggers. Mm-hmm. And this gives us a way to start working with them at a deeper level and start kind of engaging with the underlying questions and challenges that are coming up. Typology has been probably one of the most powerful ways. It's been one of the best tools I've found for becoming aware of the categories, of the patterns that, that are that are at play here. And if you're interested in learning more about typology, we have two offerings for you today. The first one is we just created, and we're very proud of it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. We just created a workbook to help you accurately type yourself. Because one problem when you do take those personality types online is that sometimes it cannot work out. And sometimes you don't have the right guidance on where to go on with your self-study of your own type. We've put together a guide, a resource. It's beautiful, if I say so myself. And it's also very interesting and packed full of information. Thank you, Alistair, for that where you know how to get your correct type and then you have the correct resources to dive deep, as deep as you want and as shallow as you want in that pool of typology. Yeah, once you get your type right, then a whole world opens up and there's a lot you can learn. And we've seen it in the workshops we teach and I've seen it when I've worked with people one-on-one. It's like, they just light up Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, that's that's my thing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you can do something about it. And then there's things you can learn from it. And this stimulates, this stimulates growth. This stimulates like development. And, and so, but it all comes down to finding your type. And we spent years working on this stuff. I, I've gone through a lot of the information and this book is kind of the collection of the best things mm-hmm. that we've learned from studying it ourselves, putting it in practice for ourselves and teaching it to others. And it gives you a lot of different ways to figure out your type because that is the biggest problem with getting further into typology is that you mistype or that you 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 can't you get a couple X's in your type mm-hmm. and you you don't know where to go from there. And so we have created this offering because we wanted it to be an accessible, affordable point of entry on typology. You can get your hands on it for $17. And we're hoping that by the time this episode comes out, our website will be up. But we have no way to know for sure. So if it's not up, then you'll just have to email us for it. But otherwise, it'll be at thefarout.life. And it'll be in the typology section. Yes. And if you need to email us because the website is not up, you can do so at host at thefaroutpodcast.com. So that's a self-study guide. And it's for all you smart folks out there that just want to do this on your own. Mm -hmm. That's probably the way I would start as well. But we have a way to take this deeper because once you start to getting getting into type, it's kind of it's kind of this special club, mm-hmm. right? And and the way you learn the most is by working with other people, learning about other types, 
by working with someone who knows how to type you accurately so you can kind of make sure you're not falling into a, to a hole that mm-hmm. you can't see. And also by getting guidance about what is most important to learn and type to get the most results. And the guidebook does that. But if you would like to work through this in a deeper way, in an interactive way, we do a lot of like kind of, it's a workshop. So we do all sorts of workshoppy stuff. You have a group of people, you have a learning partner, and you have uh, kind of someone guiding you through the different learning steps and and really kind of keeping you, you know, putting rails on the side of the road. This is probably the fastest way to get a deep understanding of type and start applying it to your life. Mm -hmm. And it's a six-week workshop we offer. You can also find us at our website, thefarout.life. Under the typology section, there'll be a, a option for a typology workshop. Check that out. You can see when we're offering our next one. Then actually, I can tell you when we're offering our next one. It's starting in a couple days. It's starting on June 27th. It's going to be every Saturday for six weeks. Yeah. And if you're interested in learning more, you can also check out our Instagram page. And we have all sorts of different links going where you need to go at the Far Out Couple on Instagram. And if you go to our workshop page, we have a in-depth description of what you'll learn, how we'll learn it, and also testimonials from people who graduated through our first class. Everyone had a great time and they seem to have learned a lot. So if you're interested in diving deeper into your triggers, these are two doorways for you to do that. We hope that you take advantage of them. Those information and those resources have been tremendously helpful for us in our relationship. And I cannot tell you how many fights we didn't have because of all this work. Hard to know. (laughs) Hard to know. And thank you for listening. We hope that nothing in there triggered you, but we cannot know for sure. And if it did trigger you, uh, you know what to do now. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't our fault. <laughs> it's not our fault. It's your. Th- it's a YP, yeah. not an MP. That's how. That's what we call it. Yeah. Uh, a your problem, not a my problem. <laughs> Alistair say that to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of delight out of it. Anyway, if you'd like to support this podcast, there's a couple ways you can do it. The first is to share it with a friend or share it on social media. Tag us at The Far Out Couple. We're on Instagram, but nowhere else because we're not on Facebook. Okay. (laughs) The second one is you can leave us a review. Leave us a review, please, pretty please. It helps a lot with the algorithm and the iTunes and all these things. And people then find us more easily. And people have access to the things you like about this podcast more easily. And if you want to support this podcast financially, we've already given you two ways to do it. You can join us uh, in the workshop or the PDF guide that we talked about for typing yourself accurately. And if you want to support the podcast in a different way, you can do so by supporting us on Patreon. Our Patreon supporters get a ton of goodies and access to a lot of fun stuff that we create exclusively for there. As a thank you for supporting the podcast financially, you can join at patreon.com slash thefaroutcouple and uh, you can support us at the $3 level. It's the minimum we have and you get access to all the goodies and you support this podcast. Sounds like a great deal to me. (laughs) Well, thank you. We'll see you next time. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.